Welcome to this message from City Bible Church in Portland, Oregon. City Bible Church is a vibrant community of people with one common desire to experience God, enjoy people, and celebrate life. Let me begin by telling you a story. Back in the 1990s, before I became the senior pastor, uh, like Sharon, I was involved in music ministry. I did a lot of worship leading and uh, writing songs and things like that. And back in the 1990s, uh, one of the well-known worship leaders was Ron Canoli. Anyone remember Ron Canoli? Yeah. And so Ron Canoli came to Australia, and I'd done an album with Integrity Music, so I knew some of the guys there. And so I was asked to play keyboards in a worship band, uh, and Ron and the team toured right around our country, uh, doing some worship events in some of the major churches in the major cities in Australia. It was just a great time. It was the Lift Him Up album, and so instead of leading, I was just off to the side, kind of playing keyboards and enjoying being part of the team. We had an interesting experience. Uh, One uh, town we came to, we got in very early, we had a great rehearsal, we had a really fired up prayer time and then we we went into the meeting that night and the meeting started and it was just kind of really hard going it's like you're just kind of going uphill the whole meeting and it was okay but it just really never took off well well, the the next night we're in another city we arrived a little late the plane was uh, running late and so we barely got to do a rehearsal we just said one quick prayer God help us and the meeting just took off it just exploded there was just such an incredible atmosphere Ron did kind of the same song list but he he just really was energized and people came to Christ. It was amazing. I was just sitting there playing keyboards. I thought, what was different between the first night and the second night? The second night we prayed less. Is that the key? The second night we didn't have a very long rehearsal. Is that the key? I, I thought, what is the difference between the first night and the second night? Maybe you've had an experience like that. I'm sure you've been in a church meeting where God showed up and some great things happened. How many have been in a meeting where you wondered where God was? Okay, maybe you were leading that meeting. That's not funny, is it? What's the difference? What what makes one meeting seem so dynamic and another meeting just doesn't seem to go so well? Well, I want to talk about that with you this morning. The title of my message is Creating a Dynamic Church Atmosphere. Will you say that with me? Creating a Dynamic Church Atmosphere. One more time. Creating a Dynamic Church Atmosphere Atmosphere. We're going to begin by turning to the book of Hebrews. If you've got a Bible, turn to Hebrews 10 with me. If you don't, then uh, we're going to put this verse up on the screens for you to have a look at. Uh, The book of Hebrews was written to a group of believers who had started to follow Jesus, but things had got a little bit difficult. And so some of them were kind of shrinking back from their commitment. And so the whole letter of Hebrews is encouraging them to follow on, to to really spur them on to follow Jesus with all of their heart. That under Jesus, things are are better and the new covenant is much better than the old covenant. And so in Hebrews 10, we've got uh, that kind of exhortation as a bit of a context. we read in full united verse uh, voice here this morning verse 24 it's up on your screens here we go one two three and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day Approaching, And so the writer is saying to these believers, one of the keys to you being all that God wants you to be is not just your own personal prayer life and your time with God, but gathering or meeting together with other believers. Whether it's a small group or a large meeting, church gatherings are very important. Uh, Unfortunately today, many Christians uh, are not going to churches often. In fact, here in America, David Barrett, who's a Christian researcher, he estimates that there are 20 million Christians in America who never go to church. 
And George Barner, whose recent book, The Revolution, uh, has been quite a bestseller. He estimates that in the future, more Christians will no longer go to church. They'll kind of form their own little personal church. Bit of Christian TV, put a worship album on, maybe meet with a neighbor, but never go to a church gathering. How many think that's a good thing? No one. Good. I'm glad you don't. Because I don't think that's a good thing. You know, it's a bit like a fire. If you've got coals together, they will sustain that fire. But if you get one coal off to the side by itself, it's eventually going to die out and that flame will go. And so it's important that we gather together. Amen? Church gatherings are really essential for what God wants for our life. Well, how do we create a dynamic church gathering? In a few minutes, we're going to look at four factors that I believe create a dynamic church gathering. Before we do so, let's do a little bit of a, a survey of gatherings in the Bible. We don't have time to turn to all the verses, but we're going to begin in the Old Testament, work through, and write to the New Testament. We're going to start with Moses. How many remember Moses? Moses had a very big church. You think City Bible's big? Moses had two million people in his church. Wow, talk about a huge church. And they weren't nice people like you. They were grumbling, mumbling, groaning, moaning. In fact, some days, Pastor Moses wanted to kill them all. And God's saying, no, Moses, no, 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 settle down, Moses. Other days, God wanted to kill them all. Moses saying, no, God, don't do that. It's a good thing for Israel. God and Moses didn't have a bad day on the same day. You're a little slow. Anyway, so Moses has got this huge church, and they had some incredible gatherings. In Exodus 40, you read about one of them. They had just built this phenomenal tabernacle, and they were dedicating the tabernacle. And as they dedicated the tabernacle, God's presence came down in a cloud, and the glory of God filled the building. Now, how many know God is everywhere at once? That, that's the omnipresence of God. There's something called the manifest presence of God, where we sense his presence in a powerful way. But that's what happened in this gathering. A cloud and God's glory came. It was a dynamic gathering of God's people. Well, they didn't just meet once. They had regular gatherings. In fact, three times a year, they had what they call feasts. These were multi-day celebrations of singing and celebrating God and consecrating their lives to him. Fast forward a little bit, we come to the time of David. David was a man after God's own heart. And he loved gathering with God's people. Uh, Psalms 27 verse 4, he said, One thing I desire, and that's what I'm going to seek, and that is to dwell in God's house all the days of my life. So David had some incredible gatherings. We read about one in 2 Samuel 6. And they're bringing up the ark into Jerusalem. All of Israel's there. There are trumpets, there's singing, and David's dancing with all of his might. It's a really incredible gathering. Fast forward to Solomon, David's son. Solomon built this phenomenal temple for God. And on the day of dedication, there were 120 trumpets. Talk about a brass section. And they were blasting and they were singing and celebrating. God's presence came down in a cloud again. Fire came and consumed the sacrifice. It's an incredible gathering. We don't have it on DVD, but you can read about it in 2 Chronicles 5, 6, and 7. An amazing gathering of God's people. Uh, my dad, who's a great Bible teacher, has written a book on all four of these. Tabernacle of Moses, Feast of Israel, Tabernacle of David, Temple of Solomon. Uh, Solomon. And so if you'd like to learn more about those, uh, City Christian Publishing has those available for you. And then we come forward. Uh, unfortunately, Solomon backslid and the nation divided. The northern nation went into captivity to Assyria. The southern nation went into Babylon. And eventually, thankfully, God restored them. And they came back and they rebuilt the temple. 
temple. They laid the foundation. And in Ezra 3 and Nehemiah 8, we have a story of another gathering. And again, there's singing, there's worship, there's celebration. They had a big platform and they had a big podium and there was the the scroll of the law and Ezra read out the law and as he read the commands of God everyone said that was your cue everyone said amen they said let it be I agree let it happen in my life and it was a long meeting but it was a dynamic gathering so all through the old testament anytime God's people gathered something incredible happened come to the new testament and Jesus had a lot of meetings He, he had a small group that he was in of 12 people 12 disciples He also had gatherings of multitudes of people. And anytime Jesus had a meeting, people were healed, people were set free. And Jesus had some amazing teaching to help their life. Again, we don't have CDs of his teaching. Are you glad someone took notes? Yeah, that's why we got the gospel. Someone took some really good notes of what Jesus taught in those meetings. In one meeting, Jesus was entering Jerusalem. He was riding on a donkey. And the meeting was just taking off. I mean, people were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. They were throwing down palm trees. In fact, the meeting was getting a bit out of control. And some religious people said, Jesus, could you just calm things down? What did Jesus do? He says, hey, if they don't shout out, even the rocks are going to begin to praise. It's a dynamic meeting. We come forward to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2. We've got a prayer meeting, 120 people praying fervently. And the Bible says, like a wind, the Holy Spirit came into that meeting. Tongues of fire appeared on every head. They began to speak in other languages. Peter got filled with the Spirit. He spoke boldly and 3,000 people came to Christ in one day. How phenomenal is that? Amazing meeting. What's incredible is 500 people saw Jesus rise from the dead. Only 120 got to the prayer meeting. How many think the the other 380 were a little disappointed they missed that meeting? That was a great meeting not to hear about, but to be at. And then you come to Acts 4, there's another prayer meeting and the whole room is shaking a little bit. It's not even California. This is Jerusalem. The whole room's shaking and they're filled with the Holy Spirit. Dynamic meeting. Come to Acts 20, we've got Paul in Troas and he's speaking and he goes on and on and on. In fact, one of the young people there, Eutychus, he falls asleep during Paul's sermon. That's encouraging for us preachers. The Apostle Paul had someone fall asleep. Uh, He not only fell asleep, he fell three stories out the window and he died. Hopefully that won't happen here today. You see the newspapers the next day. Young man falls to death during Apostle's long-winded sermon. (laughs) Thankfully, Paul ran down and prayed for him. He came alive again. Everyone was relieved. Paul kept preaching for another six hours. That was a long meeting. A long meeting. And so all through the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, anytime God's people gathered together, something incredible took place. How many think that's God's will for us today? I believe that. Whenever we gather, it could be Saturday night, Sunday morning, Tuesday. Whenever we gather, God wants something dynamic to happen. It doesn't matter where we meet. It could be in a building. It could be in a home. It could be in a cafe. And it doesn't matter how many are there. Jesus said, when two or three get together in my name, I'll be there. And so God wants us to create dynamic church gatherings. Let's look at four factors that I believe were in all of these Bible gatherings and also were the key to what happened in that worship event that I was involved in. Number one, the first factor for creating a dynamic church gathering is our attitude. Would you say that with me? Our attitude. Our attitude is the way we think, 
It's the way we perceive. It's the way we view a meeting that we're going to. You know, any church gathering you come to, there's a lot of good things that you'll get out of the meeting. You'll have some time of fellowship, meet some friends, have some coffee afterwards, enjoy some singing, hopefully get something out of the message. If you've got a need, we'll pray for you. So there's a lot of benefits. But ultimately, when we meet, we are meeting with God. We have come to meet with him this morning. And if we don't just, if we just have a horizontal perspective, we'll miss the purpose of the meeting. Our attitude should be today, we're not just going to meet with one another. We are meeting with God this morning. Amen? Thank you for that underwhelming response. We're meeting with God this morning. Amen? We are. You see, if we don't have that perspective, we'll ask the wrong kind of questions. I have a friend who's a pastor, and just a few weeks ago, he had a funny incident in his church. Someone came up after the meeting and said to him, I didn't enjoy the worship today. I just got nothing out of it. My friend is a pretty witty person. He very quickly said, look, there must be a misunderstanding. We weren't worshiping you. (laughs) Now, think about it. Sometimes we say, did you enjoy the worship today? Well, the real question is, did God enjoy our worship today? Because although we benefit from it, it's ultimately for Him. The right question is not, what did you think of the Australian preacher today? The right question is, what did God speak to you through the message this morning? If we don't get God into the picture, then we'll treat the church gathering a little bit lightly. But when you realize, I'm meeting with God, that affects your attitude towards the meeting. If your boss says, do you want to meet with you at 10 o'clock tomorrow? How many know if you value your job and your boss, you'll be there at 10 o'clock? Probably a little early, not Christian standard time. It's okay. We have people running on Christian standard time in our church too. Always a little bit late. You know, punctuality is a good quality. In fact, when you value someone or some event, you're always there on time. If you're going to a great movie, you can't wait to see it. How many know you're not going to rock up 20 minutes into the movie? If you're going to a great theater production or a great sports event, you'll be there early. How many think when we gather to meet with God, we should be here ready to go from the first song? You know, if you come early, you get a great car park, you get a great seat. If you've got family, you get your kids in there and you get to be here for the very first song and you're not kind of walking in interrupting people and you develop a character quality that will benefit every area in your life. Punctuality. And so our attitude, how we approach church meetings has a big effect on the meeting. We should also come with joy. David, Psalm 122 verse 1 said, I was glad. Everyone say glad. I was glad when they said, we're going to church. We're going to the house of God. And so this is very simple. But you need to know the very attitude that you have towards any meeting affects the dynamic of what happens in the meeting. So number one is our attitude. Number two is our expectation. Our expectation. To expect something means to believe that something good is going to happen as we gather together. Jesus often said to people, according to your faith, be it unto you. Think about it. Jesus is saying, according to what you're believing, that's what's going to happen to you. James 4 verse 8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. God responds to us. And so when we come with a spirit of faith and expectation, God responds to that and does something. When we don't have any faith, when we're not expecting anything, often we get what we expect. Let's look at Matthew 13 if you've got a Bible. Matthew 13. 
Matthew 13 has an interesting story of a meeting, a gathering. And in verse 53, it says, when Jesus had finished these parables, he moved on from there. He came to his hometown. He began teaching the people in their synagogue, and they were amazed. They said, where did this man get this wisdom? These miraculous powers, they asked. Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother Mary and his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, Judas? Aren't all his sisters with us? Where, where, did, where did he get all these things? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, only in his own hometown and in his own house is a prophet without honor. Look at verse 58 of Matthew 13. And Jesus did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. Here's the meeting that Jesus is running and it doesn't go that well. Why? Because Jesus hadn't prayed enough? Because Jesus is having a bad day? No, the meeting's not taking off because there's a lack of expectation and Jesus therefore is not released to do all that he would like to do. That's a powerful principle. That's telling me that as I come to a church meeting, small, large, anywhere, anytime, my attitude and my expectation contributes to the dynamic of what's happening. Number three, the third factor, not only our attitude, our expectation, number three is our participation. Church is not a spectator activity. We come to participate. It's not just being here and being in a chair. We need to be fully present and fully engaged with what's taking place. You know, what we've been doing here this morning is not Pastor Frank's idea. The Bible has an agenda for when God's people gather. We're to do a number of things. We're to pray. Jesus said, my father's house will be a house of prayer. Uh, Paul wrote to Timothy, who was looking after a church in Ephesus, 1 Timothy 2 verse 1. And he said, uh, first of all, make sure that there's prayer for everyone and especially those in authority. And so when we come to church, there are times when we all begin to pray. That's an opportunity for you to participate in what's happening. Secondly, we're to praise. And praise simply is thanking God for what he's done. How many have had God do something for you somewhere in your life? Most of you. First of all, God's created a phenomenal world. He's redeemed us, but every one of us have had personal blessings. And sometimes when we're blessed, it's easy to forget to say, thank you. Remember the 10 lepers? Jesus healed all 10 lepers. But how many came back to say thank you to Jesus? Only one. Were the other nine not thankful? I think they were. I mean, I don't think any of them went home and said, you know, I'm really annoyed. I got healed today. I just miss my sickness. Man, well... No, no, they were all thankful, but only one took time to express his thanks to Jesus. I tell you what, I don't want to be like the nine, I want to be like the one. And so when we gather together, it's a time to say, thank you, Jesus, for what you've done in my life. We pray, we praise, we worship God for who he is. These are things that we can participate in. There's a number of ways to do that. We can say our thanks to God. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Everyone say, thank you, God. Everyone say, I love you, Jesus. See, don't just think good thoughts, speak them out. Father, God expresses his love. He burst out of heaven and said, Jesus, you're my beloved son. We need to let God know that we love him and appreciate him. So we can say, we can sing like we've been doing this morning. Again, the Bible is full of encouragement to sing a song to the Lord. Now, now, you know, some of us have great voices. Some of us don't really have a great voice. Uh, you might be thinking, oh, look, I can't sing on, you know, the, on key. And you know, so you, you may hold back. There's a great scripture for you. The Bible says, make a joyful noise. How many can make a joyful noise? 
you know, every church has what I would refer to as prison singers. Prison singers are behind a few bars and they can't find the key. So, you know, you may be a prison singer, but let me tell you, just sing. You doing okay? Just sing. We can say our praise. We can sing. We can shout at times. We can clap. You know, when someone does something great, we applaud them, don't we? Come on, why don't you just give God a clap offering right now? Come on, give God a, a round of applause. God, you're worthy. You're worthy, Lord God. And so we can clap our hands and applaud God and we can lift our hands as a sign of surrender. We can play instruments and use music. And isn't music a great tool for us to praise God? You know, you can say your praise, but singing has such a power. Let me illustrate this. I want you just to say hallelujah eight times. Can you do that with me this morning? Ready? Hallelujah. 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 Very good. Sing with me this old song now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Those of you who can make some harmony do so. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lift the volume a little bit now. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Now we just sang hallelujah eight times. Was there a difference between saying it and singing it? We didn't have any instruments. Singing has a power to add soul and emotion and spirit to our words. And music is such a powerful tool to help us connect and praise God. You know, music changes for the generation. You know, when I was a kid, they sang hymns and then we got really contemporary. We sang, this is the day, this is... I remember those ones. And then we, got, then we started to swing. From the rising of the sun, wherever I am. You know, so music changes through the generations and now we use more of a contemporary sound. And so you know, the Bible doesn't tell you how fast, how loud or what style. It just says celebrate. And so sometimes we have to adjust to maybe some styles we're a little less comfortable with. You might have heard the funny story of the farmer. Um, he lived out in the country and he used to a little traditional church where they sang hymns all the time. And one day he went into the big city and went to the big city church and uh, so he came home and his wife said hey how was church in the big city he says well look it was great it was a little bit different though they don't sing hymns that they sing these praise choruses he goes and she goes well what's a praise chorus and he goes well it's kind of like a hymn but it's different and she goes well how is it different and he said well it's like this if i were to say to you martha the cows are in the corn That would be a hymn. But if I was to say to you, Martha, 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 oh Martha, 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 the cows, the big cows, the brown cows, the black cows, the white cows, the black and white cows, the cows, 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 are in the corn, are in the corn, are in the corn, corn, corn. And then if I were to repeat the whole thing three times, that would be a praise chorus. Yes, ah, there you go. A few weeks later, the farmer's nephew, who lived in the city, 
went to the country, visited the farm, and went to the little traditional church where they sang hymns. Well, when he got home, his mother said, hey, how is church out in the country? He says, yeah, yeah, it was really good. What was it like? It was was a little bit different. They they don't sing praise choruses there. They sing hymns. His mother goes, hymns? What are they? And he goes, well, they kind of like praise choruses, but they're different. And she goes, well, how are they different? He goes, well, if I was to say to you, mother, the or Martha, the, the, the cows are in the corn, well, that would be a, a praise chorus. But if I was to say to you, O oh Martha, dear Martha, hear thou my cry. Inclinest thine ear to the words of my mouth. Turn thou thy wondrous ear by and by to the righteous, inimitable, glorious truth. For the way of the animals, who can explain? There in their heads is no shadow of sense. Hearkenest they in God's son or his reign, unless from the mild, tempting corn they are fenced. Yea, those cows in glad bovine rebellious delight have broke free their shackles, their warm pens eschewed. Then goaded by minions of darkness and night, they all my mild chilliwack sweet corn have chewed. So look to that bright shining day by and by, where all foul corruptions of death are reborn, where no vicious animals make my soul cry, and I no longer see those foul cows in the corn. So, you might be into praise choruses or hymns or whatever it may be. What we need to do is we need to participate in celebrating, worshipping and loving God with all of our heart. And so we can pray, we can praise, we can worship, uh, we can also give. The Bible says bring. Everyone say bring. Bring your offering, not send, bring it with you. God wants you and your offering. Uh, What else can we participate in? We can participate in the word. As you're receiving a message this morning, don't get caught up in the messenger and their style, their personality, what they're wearing. Uh, Paul said to the Thessalonians, you receive the message as it really is, a message from God. And so today you need to be hearing what's God saying to you. And we need to hear it, check it out, and then obey it. Don't just be a hearer, but be a doer. You know, if I say to my son, hey, would you take out the rubbish, take out the trash? And he goes, good word, dad. That's a great word, dad. No, no, take out the trash. Oh, bless you. Oh, I love you, dad. Oh, I love you, dad. That's an awesome word. That's an awesome word. Now, I know you don't do that, but in some churches, we're, oh, a great sermon, great, great message, great prophet. No, no, no. We need to apply what God's said to our life. It's about participating. We're doing all right this morning? It's about participating in the word. And, and then we also participate in, in fellowship, in meeting friends, looking out for visitors today. Uh, you know, being friendly is not just being friendly with our friends, but finding that new person. And uh, there's just so many things we can do. But as we come to not spectate, but to participate, the dynamic of the meeting is affected dramatically. Number four, final point, the fourth factor in a dynamic church gathering, creating an atmosphere is responsiveness responsiveness. This is where we respond and we say, yes, Lord. Let's look at Matthew 11 and a criticism that Jesus had of his generation. Just back a couple of pages. Matthew 11, and we're going to read verse 16. Matthew 11, verse 16. To what will I compare this generation? They are like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling out to others. We played the flute to you, but you didn't dance. We sang a dirge and you didn't mourn. John didn't come eating or drinking, and they say, oh, he's got a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking, and they say, he's a glutton and a drunkard. What is Jesus saying? He's saying, this generation is critical 
Nothing's ever right. I mean, John the Baptist didn't drink wine and didn't, uh, he abstained from certain foods and they said, oh, he's got a demon. Jesus, on the other hand, wasn't as strict with what he ate and drank and yet they criticized him. Nothing's ever wrong or, or ever right. And, and also they were unresponsive. When, when there's a time to celebrate, they're not going to celebrate. When it's a time to be more reflective, they're not going to follow. They're unresponsive. In contrast, we're going to have a, a, a dynamic atmosphere created. We need to respond to what God's doing. Amen? And so if the worship leader is saying, hey, let's do this, well, let's respond. If the message, if a prophetic word, let's respond to what God's doing. So what am I saying? God wants every time we gather, there to be a dynamic atmosphere. You and I help to create that. It's my attitude. Say that with me. Say, my expectation. Say, my participation. Say, my responsiveness. I contribute to what happens in any meeting. You know what the difference was in those two worship events with Ron Canoli? The difference was not us up on the platform. It was what was happening in the congregation. On the second night, those people came with a great attitude. They were expecting. They were participating. They were responding. I used to think a great meeting means Jeff and the team have really prayed well today. And hopefully the pastor's got a great message. We often think it's what happens up here. I'm here to tell you that that's only half of the deal. It's what's happening in our hearts. You and I set an atmosphere. You and I set an environment. And what happened on that second night, there was an atmosphere created by the people that released Ron's anointing and gifting to go to a whole new level. And it's the same in every meeting. Yeah, give Jesus a praise offering today. The amazing thing is two people can come to the same meeting, one can leave totally changed and one can leave getting nothing out of it. Jesus said, a Pharisee and a sinner went to a prayer meeting. The Pharisee left just the same as the way he came. The sinner went totally away, transformed because of the attitude and the way that he came. And so I would encourage you from the front to the back, left to the right, you have a great part to play in creating an environment that will release God to manifest his presence in a powerful way. You know, I really believe church should be the most exciting place on the planet. I really believe that. I I mean, you know, I love sports, but I mean, sometimes sports events have more energy than church. I think that shouldn't be so. It's only a game. In Australia, we have some really radical fans. Do you have any radical fans in in Portland? I know the Blazers are on the way up at the moment. But, you know, we got some radical fans. And, you know, radical fans arrive early. I mean, they camp out. They're there. They don't arrive in the second quarter. Just a thought. Radical fans love the front seats. They will pay extra money to sit up the front. Just a thought. Radical fans never miss a game. Rain, hail, sleet, shine, you know, whatever, snow. They're there. Radical fans. Radical fans paid for their tickets and the ticket prices go up every year. Have you noticed that? The drink prices, the t-shirt, the prices are going up. But they pay and they never complain. Tithing has been at 10% for about 2,000, 3,000 years now. It hasn't gone 11, 12, 13. It's still at 10, but other, in other churches, not yours, some people still complain about it. You doing okay? Radical fans love when the game goes into overtime.
They're not saying, oh man, I've got to get out of here. No, when it's overtime, they're excited. And radical fans are vocal. I mean, even introverted, quiet personalities often morph into this assertive, aggressive, boisterous. And you go, what's up with that? I mean, radical fans don't just meditate. Go team. Yay. Yay. Radical fans are vocal. See, the Bible does not say clap your hands, all you extroverted, bubbly people. The Bible says, clap your hands, all you people, shout unto God with a voice of triumph. You know what? I think, what would church be like if we were as dedicated to Jesus as fans are to their sports team? I tell you what, we would see some incredible atmosphere created where God's release to work. Amen? Come on, let's stand and come on, give God a round of applause. Come on, give Him your highest praise today. Thank you, Jesus. God, we worship you. We exalt you today, Lord. Praise you, Father. We magnify you, Lord Jesus. In this place, be glorified. In this place, be magnified. Jesus, we worship you. We give you our highest praise today. Build your throne in this place, Lord God. Build your throne. Inhabit this tabernacle, Lord God. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, we bless you, Lord. Amen. I'm going to pray for you as the worship team comes forward. I'd also like the altar call workers to also come and take their places. We'll prepare to pray for some people in a moment. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for City Bible Church. What a great heritage. What a great history. But Father, we believe the best is yet to come. Father, thank you for the dynamic meetings that happen here on a regular basis. Father, we're excited about that. But we want to see the spiritual water level lift in every one of our hearts, in every meeting, in every campus. And so I'm praying for us as believers, Lord, that we would uh, shift in our attitude. We will shift in our expectation. We will lift in our participation and our responsiveness. And as we come, Father, we would see meetings that would attract your presence. Father, that you would manifest yourself. We want to see more people come to Christ. We want to see greater healings. We want to see greater freedom in all of our lives. And Father, I pray that we will all contribute. We wouldn't just rely on Pastor Frank and the worship team, but we'd realize that we have a part to play, that this is a body where every member functions and does their part. And so we pray for your anointing, your power, and your presence to be, to be manifest in a great dimension in every one of our meetings. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. 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 Come on, give Jesus one more clap offering this morning.